Well, we honor you, Jesus. We just glory in you. We just, you're phenomenal. We just can't get over you. You're getting bigger in our lives, and you're mastering us in greater ways, and you're pulling us into your heart and sharing the dynamic of yourself and your nature with us. We're experiencing you, and we're so grateful for that opportunity. Make this here, right here, right now, what we're participating in. Make it an occasion that will help us in that, the experiencing of your person. In your name we pray, amen. You may be seated. My, thank you for letting me be here, and I appreciate uh, being a part of this. I want you to turn, actually, to Matthew chapter 2, if you would. And <clears throat> I wanted to share a little out of uh, uh, chapter 2, verse 19, verse 23 which is the uh, fourth Christmas narrative. Matthew is, of course, introducing the whole thing uh, uh, as he begins to write about the Christ being the kingly Messiah, introduces the whole thing with the genealogy in the first 17 verses. And I know you had your uh, devotions there this morning. And then he moved into four narratives, four Christmas narratives. And the first one begins in verse 18 of chapter 1. And it's the story of uh, the birth of Christ actually taking place. Then the wise men, which is the second narrative. And then the destruction of the baby boys, which is the third narrative. All of this is in chapter 2. And then this fourth narrative, which is kind of the climax and conclusion of the whole thing. And I want to read that with you. Uh, chapter 2, verse 19. Now when Herod was dead, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt, saying, Arise, take the young child and his mother, and go to the land of Israel, for those who sought the young child's life are dead. Then he arose, took the young child and his mother, and came into the land of Israel. And when he had heard that Archelaus was reigning over Judea instead of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. And being warned by God in a dream, he turned aside into the region of Galilee. And he came and dwelt in a city called Nazareth, that it might be fulfilled what was spoken by the prophets, he shall be called a Nazarene. Thank God for the Nazarenes. Wow. Okay, that's the fourth narrative. Um, all of these narratives, by the way, are seen through the eyes of Joseph. Uh, we're seeing what he's feeling, the dilemma that he's sensing, the struggle that he's involved in, the decisions he has to make. If you want Mary's, uh, the woman's viewpoint, you go to the Gospel of Luke. But this is all through the eyes of Joseph. Uh, if we understand it, it was Joseph was maybe an older man. Uh, some say he might have been around 50. Uh, Mary, no doubt, was a teenager. But, and the whole time bracket that you're dealing with here in these four narratives, uh, the birth of Christ, moving into this whole deal in Egypt and then back, is about two, maybe pushing three years. So this was not today and then tomorrow and it's all over. This was day after day after day, which becomes important as you get into the text. I want you to feel this with me. Here, here's a guy by the name of Joseph. He's got all these dreams. Uh, hey, he's paid the money, the endowment. Contract has been signed. Hey, he's fixing up the house, painting the white picket fence, thinking about 15 children. Uh, just all the plans, and it's really going to be great. And he's really excited about the whole thing. And hey, Mary, and, and they're in this betrothal period, which you know was a legal uh, binding kind of thing. And they were actually called Mary, married, husband and wife kind of thing. And to get out of that, there had to be a divorcement. And 
So this whole thing is said and done, and it's all wrapped up, and hey, it won't be but a few months they'll have the marriage ceremony and begin to live together, and it'll be all, the, all that he ever dreamed, and hey, he's getting his job in order, and he's getting all the business he can, and he's putting some money aside, and all the dreams, and Mary's been gone for about three months, and she's been down to Elizabeth. That was not unusual, no doubt, but three months, that was a little unusual probably for her to be gone that long. Wonder why? Now she's come back, and oh, she's giving physical evidence to the announcement that the angel had made. She's with child. Oh, Nazareth, small town. You can hear him, can't you? <laughs> oh, talk, 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 talk all over town. Yeah, now we know why she was gone. Now we know what the deal was. Why, I wonder who the father is. Joseph, well, that old dog. Yeah, and you can hear him, can't you? Joseph hears about this. He knows he's not the father. What's the only other conclusion you can come to? Well, hey, she's been unfaithful. She's had an affair on him, man. This is, hey, he's devastated. He sends somebody down to check it out, not really wanting to believe it. Hey, his friend comes back and says, it's the truth. Saw it with my own eyes. He's devastated. Hey, all the plans, all the dreams. There's no way out of this, you understand? This is a total, absolute mess. Ever been there? There's no way to get out of this. There's no way to do the right thing. Anything you do, it isn't going to be like it was. There's no way to restore this. Hey, it's over. Jewish law should take her down to the courts, man, have her stoned to death. That would be the proper right thing to do. But hey, he doesn't want to do that. He loves her, and yet he can't marry her because if he married her, he'd have been identifying with her sin. And he would be saying, hey, I'm the guilty party. He couldn't do that. He's a just man. So what's he going to do? He's struggling with this whole thing in the first, in the first narrative. And as he struggles with this whole thing, he makes the decision, I'm going to just wipe my hands out. I'm going to run as fast and as far away from this as I can. And in the middle of the night, he goes to bed and in the middle of the night, angel of the Lord shows up. Now, God didn't delegate this message. In other words, he didn't say, hey, angel, get down there and tell him. Wasn't that kind of deal? This angel of the Lord, special angel of the Lord, you can study it on your own. He's the equivalent to the angel of Jehovah. And this angel, while he was an actual angel in his own right, there, this angel had the capacity of merging with God or God merging with this angel. And within the angel showed up, it was normally the kind of thing where God himself is on the scene and is actually doing the speaking. It's a foretaste of the fullness of the Spirit. So what you're dealing with here is not just some angel talking. You're dealing with God is saying, this thing is so important to me. This thing is so essential to me. I'm going to go down there and take care of this thing myself. So an angel of the Lord shows up in the middle of the night. Do you know how startling that was? Come on, feel this. Put yourself in his shoes. I mean, he's, he's learned about this stuff, you know, and the, and the rabbi had taught him about this. You know, the Abraham, Isaac, Jacob kind of thing. You know, the wrestling with the angel and that kind of stuff. And Moses, oh, he had an encounter with God. And yeah, you can count them on your hands, the number of guys in our history who've actually had an encounter with God. Joseph, a peasant man. Oh, come on. Joseph, hey, never in his whole life ever dreamed of. I'm on the plane of Moses. I'm on the plane of Abraham. Oh, come on. Not a shot, man. Not a chance. That would never happen happened to him and yet wham angel of the Lord shows up and he's actually entering into a personal encounter with the living God Whew. that would shake your day wouldn't it he came out of that encounter saying whoa once in a lifetime opportunity can you can you imagine never ever dream man who would ever think could this happen to was this real pinch myself hey could this really be Tell you one thing, I'm going to do exactly what he told me to do. Marry that gal, 
legitimize the birth of Christ, call his name Jesus when he's born. Six months go by, Jesus is born. Wow, hey, six months since the encounter. Must have talked about it a lot. Must have told everybody, had an encounter with God, guys. Hey, you know Moses? Me too. Hey, can you hear him? Hey, he's talking. Hey, this is something you tell your grandkids about, right? An encounter with God once in a lifetime. Me, Joseph. Whoa, this is phenomenal. Dreamed about it. Six months has gone by, Jesus is born. Another year and a half, maybe pushing two years. You can calculate all that out. Guess what happens? Angel of the Lord shows up again. A second time. Another encounter. Whoa. The first time was, whoa. The second time, still startling, but, you know, I'm getting into this thing. An encounter with the living God the second time. And the angel of the Lord, the living God, says, hey, pack your bags, get that woman out of here, take that child, man, get on that mule, go, go, go. In the middle of the night, he's packing his bags, man, getting Mary on the mule, loading the child up. Away they go, flying into Egypt land, fleeing into Egypt land. They got to get out of here. The danger of the whole thing, immediate, and they travel. But there's a promise in this second encounter. You're going to have a third Stay in Egypt until I come again and talk to you. So there's going to be a third encounter. Can you imagine Joseph? Joseph, peasant man. First encounter was wild, out of sight, man. Who would have ever dreamed? Abraham, Moses, hey, me, Joseph, come on. And then the second encounter with a promise of a third. I'm really getting into this. An encounter with the living God. Hey, Moses, step aside. Think of it. Sure enough, third encounter happens. It's in the fourth narrative that we read. Third encounter happens. Hey, Herod is dead. It's time to come back. You do know that some things never change until some people die. But hey, Herod, you're dead. So good. Hey, you're out of it. Now, hey, you can come back now. You can come back to Palestine. In fact, the actual words are, you can come back to the land of Israel. Now, that's broad. Take your pick. Go where you want to. Three encounters with God. Whoa. Getting pretty tight with him. Go where you want to. He must have sat down with Mary and said, hey, let's discuss this. We can. We've got our choice. We can go where we want to. Listen, uh, what do you, where do you, you want to go back to Nazareth? Uh, I don't think so. Hey, where, where would you, hey, Bethlehem. Why don't we go back? You know, it's only been a few months probably since we were there. And hey, oh, I bet I got my old job contacts. You know, that one guy owes me some money. Yeah, we ought to go back there. Hey, and but raise a Messiah? That would Bethlehem, five miles from Jerusalem. Hey, that would be the place to raise a Messiah. You know, it's right close to the temple. Hey, this is where the schools are this is where the hey this is where it really happens all the guys who are anybody at all hey it'd be a great place to raise a messiah rub shoulders with the right kind of people yep that's what we'll do okay back to bethlehem we go can you see him he packs his bags he's headed back to bethlehem they get on the outskirts of that territory stop at mcdonald's for a big mac the guy in the other booth man he's talking about this archelaus guy and he says hey archelaus yeah he's ruling over in, in place of herod the great Archelaus is the son of Herod, and he's as mean as a snake, bad as his dad, in fact. And if the Herod the Great was after and out to kill the Christ child, oh, forevermore, what will his son do if he's just as bad? And all of a sudden, Joseph got struck with fear. Maybe this is not the right decision. Where should we go? Should we be in Bethlehem? Maybe we ought to go back to Nazareth. Should we go back to Galilee? Should we hunt a new place, change our names? What should we do? Can you see him looking at Mary? Mary looks at him. You don't suppose 
We had one encounter with God. That was overwhelming. We had a second encounter with God. That was wow. And the third encounter, now, you don't suppose we're tight enough. that I could go to him and ask him? Do you suppose? Do you suppose? Would we dare risk it? Let's try it. I don't know if he got down on his knees or what he did, but hey, I'll say he got down on his knees and he said, hey God, are you listening? You came three times, how about a fourth? And the angel of the Lord came through again and he had a fourth encounter see the other times it was just out of the sovereignty of God the other times it was just God opening himself up the other times it was God taking the initiative but this fourth time this fourth time hey are we tight enough see do you see what Matthew's doing in this in this passage oh you're saying where did you get all this manly well it's in verse 22 it says and being warned by God in a dream now, the Greek word that's translated worn there, oh, phenomenal. It literally comes from the root word meaning to do business. It, the actual definition of is in answer to a request. So this is different than all the other times that he talked to Joseph. See, all the other times, again, it was out of God's initiative, out of his sovereignty. God just took over and moved in and barged in on his life. But this time, this time, hey, Joseph is asking, seeking, longing, open, desiring, saying, hey, would you talk to me on this? Again, do you see what Matthew's doing? He's using Joseph as a transitional example. See, we're moving from the old. We're moving into the new. Hey, what we've done in days past, great. But hey, we're stepping into a brand new deal. And by the time that Christ gets done with this and shaking things up, man, we're really going to be tight. We're really going to be one with God. We literally are going to be filled with, we're going to be on speaking terms with God on a moment-by-moment -moment basis. And Joseph, hey, get ready, Joseph. Something brand new's coming on, man. We're moving into a whole new realm. And God is literally opening up his heart and he's doing business with you. Don't you see what's happened, Joseph? Hey, God. God has shown up and said, hey, I got a big plan. I want you in on it. Joseph, Joseph, you, a peasant man? Yeah, I want you in on my enterprise, son. Hey, Joseph, I want you in on this. In fact, hey, the second time, the third time, hey, Joseph, you're going to be a part of my throbbing heart dreams. I really got intrigued with this idea of the possibility of sitting down at the conference table with God and doing business. Is that what we're into? And the possibilities of that. I wondered, of course, if there were other words in the New Testament or if this showed up other places in this kind of intensity and in this kind of greatness. And so I began to investigate. And I found this word, well, it's translated partnership. And for instance, Jesus is out. He's choosing his disciples and he comes down and he finds uh, James and John. You know what it says? Here's, this is Luke 5.10. It says, James and John partners with Simon. Partners. Oh, you mean they were good friends? No, they were good friends, but no, just good friends. Oh, you mean they're really related and all this? No, not just related. You mean, uh, they, hey, they hang out a lot together. No, not just hang out a lot together. Well, how are they? They're partners, meaning what? Good night, I put money into this, brother. 
we got together and we started this fishing business and hey, I bought half that boat and I paid for some of those nets, man. And hey, I want you here at six o'clock in the morning when we're going out, man. I'm not doing this by myself. We're partners, business. Paul spiritualizes this whole thing. There was this upset, you know, about Titus, probably his youth, I don't know what, it, what the upset was, but people were talking, and well, Titus, he don't, who does he think he is, blah, 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 you know how it goes. And Paul wrote to the church at Corinth, and here's what he said. He said, if anyone inquires about Titus, you shut their mouth with this. It's my translation. He is my partner. Same word. As Jesus with Simon, James, and John. He is my partner and fellow worker concerning you. Hey, he's my partner. What do you mean? Well, we're just, we just hang out. No, we eat dinner. No, no, this is partner. We do business together. Man, I put money into this. He put money into this. We got to be there at 6 o'clock in the morning. This is partner. I got really intrigued with the Greek word from which this idea of partner comes from. This is about 30 years ago. Used to hear it all the time. It was the buzzword of the church. I mean, we use this word all the time. I never hear it today. I think that's intriguing. It's the word koinonia. Most of the time in the New Testament, it's translated fellowship, but not potluck supper fellowship. You know, it's not that kind of fellowship. That's not the word. You know, oh, yeah, we had potluck after Sunday. Sunday service. You did? Oh, yeah. I sat down with this guy. I really didn't know him. Got acquainted with him. Had fellowship across the table. Yeah, I got to hear him eat. It was really great. Hey, I found out about his kids. Yeah. And I uh, found out about where he works. Yeah. And uh, hey, I found out his wife is, and I found out he really likes it, uh, and he does, and then he goes to, and yeah, I find out a lot about him. It was good. We had good fellowship. Well, are you going to see him tomorrow morning, Monday morning, and go to work? No, no. Did you give him any money? No, no. Are you in business together? No, no. We're just, it was just, I just heard him eat. That was all. That's not the word. See, the word koinonio is partnership. It's, it's to do business with. It's to get involved with. It's, to, it's tighter than that. Fellowship. Can you imagine Joseph? See, all this time, according to chapter 1, verse 19, he's been a just man. The emphasis of that idea is on behavior. It's ethical behavior. In other words, hey, he's done all of the religious stuff. Come on. You can't go up to Joseph and say, you didn't tithe last week. He did tithe last week. Well, you missed Sunday morning and didn't make your prayer time. No, he made his prayer time. He came on Sunday morning. See, you can't, you're not going to, oh, hey, you're not going to point the finger at Joseph. And he is a just man. All the Old Testament structure, all the sacrifices, all the stuff, man, that he's supposed to do, all the religious stuff, all the ceremonies, all the incense, light a candle, count yourself. Hey, count the beads, count, hey, hey, cross yourself. Hey, all that stuff. He's done all of that. He has been a just man. But see, this is a whole brand new deal see he's been moved out of just being the just man he's been moved into the heart of God can you get a hold of this moved into the heart of God that God has come and ripped himself wide open and said hey come into my conference room well I'm busy I'm busy lighting a candle no forget that stuff man come on come into my come into my council room come into my conference room sit down at the table man I got to open up my dreams to you I got to open up my enterprise I want you in on the most dynamic thing the dream of my system the thing that I just got to accomplish in this world and man I got to have you you got to help me with this come on you got to join me in the enterprise of my heart. 
koinonia. I've got time, but you don't, to develop this through the New Testament. It's phenomenal. It's absolutely phenomenal. No need to turn there, but you remember the passage where Peter talks about all these promises that God has given us in 1 Peter and that we are going to be partakers. Guess what the word is? Koinonia. Oh, he's going to dump it out and we're going to go and gather it up and take it out? You mean he's going to dump it out like manna from the sky? No, no, no. We're going to be partakers of his divine nature, which was not just fellowship. Oh, I heard him eat. It's not just that. It's a, hey, I'm putting something in this. He's putting something. Hey, we're just, we're becoming, we're going to sit down at the conference that God is literally ripping open his chest, man, and exposing his very heartbeat, that inner prize of his heart, man. And he says, I want you in on my nature, man. I want you to get in on, I want you to feel what I feel and sense what I sense and, and think what I think, and I want you to burn in your bones with what I burn for. There is one I'd like for you to turn to. Hebrews chapter 2. This really intrigued me. Oh. I'd like for you to see this yourself, but Hebrews chapter 2. You know, of course, what he's doing in the book of Hebrews. He's comparing Jesus with everything else. And of course, Jesus is superior. And he moves into this chapter 2 and gives this warning. And then he begins to talk about Jesus and the idea of many sons, God wanting many sons and all of that. And he moves into stuff like verse 14. He says, inasmuch then as the children have partaken. Now that's a form of the word koinonia. It's got a synonym on it, or it has, has a prefix on it, I mean. Inasmuch then as the children have partaken koinonia of flesh and blood. He says, you know what your kids do? Hey, they koinonia with you. See, your kids take on your gene pool. Whoops, got your nose. In fact, your kids become such a part of the enterprise of your life, they, they take on all the, all the stuff of your living. All the, all the skeletons in your closet become the skeletons in their closet. Again, they take on your gene pool, man. They take on your actions. They take on your thought process. They take on the way you do things. See, it's not just, oh, yeah, they sit at my table. I got to hear me. See, it isn't that kind of thing. You're partners, man. You're partners. They're partners with you. They may grow up and hate your guts, but they're partners with you. They don't have any choice. You know what he says? He says, the second member of the Trinity leaped off of his throne and literally came down and koinonioed with us. Took on our gene pool. That God joined us in our, in our, all the skeletons in our closet became his. All the plight of our existence became his. All the overwhelming need of our lives became his. Everything that was going on in us all of a sudden became his, man. It all became his because he took on our gene pool, the skeletons on our closet. He partnered. See the depths of that? Oh, 
That was a dumb move, wasn't it? What did he gain out of that one? What was so great about our gene pool that he would want in on that? What was the whole purpose that he would take on the skeletons in our closet? Why, why would he do all that? Oh, come on, Peter already answered that for you. See, Jesus leaped off of his throne and koinoniaed with us and took on our gene pool and took on our, our plight and took on and, and partnered with us. Hey, literally did business with us. For what purpose? So that we could koinonia with him. Well, I go to church. I even go to Bible college. I'm preparing for ministry. Did you see how much bigger this is than that? There's one group I'm really upset about. There's one group. Upset isn't the word. There's one group I'm really concerned about. There's one group that just tears me up. There's one group that I'm really bothered about. There's one group that just, I just ache over it. It's religious people. They're just. But God never showed up in the middle of the night. <laughs> they don't have any sense about them that, whoa. I'm partners, yeah. Man, it, you know what this does for you? This rolls you out of bed in the morning and says, whoa, I'm into the heart of God. The dreams and the plans of the Almighty. Been to the conference table, man. The very nature of God and everything that's going on in him is now going on in me. And all his passion and all of his desires, man. They're, they're all through my being, brother. They're penetrating my mind. And I'm, I'm in partnership. I'm into the enterprise of the heart of Hey, your church can get so mad at you that they vote you out and it won't blockade that a bit. Oh, that'll take you through, man. Hey, financially, you can fall apart at the seams, brother, and the rug can be pulled out from under you and everything will go bad, man, and all kind of sickness can come. But one thing will take you through, man. I'm in the, I'm, I'm in the conference room. I'm not on the assembly line. I'm not crossing myself, counting beads, doing the thing, man. Hey, I'm in the conference room of an almighty God and his very nature and the passion. I'm doing business. Of the enterprise of the heart of God. Do you have that? You've got to have that. You've got to have that. You, you. If you don't have that, chapel will be boring. If you don't have that, Jesus, don't, please, please, don't let me, don't let me be satisfied. Don't let me succumb to just getting wrapped up in preaching. Don't let me succumb just to doing religious stuff. Don't, don't let me just become a part of an organization that does things. Don't, God, don't, don't, don't let me get into a position 
where the greatest challenge of the position is meeting my obligations. Don't let me just have a job. Come on, God, don't let me, don't, don't let me just have a job in the church. Could I rub shoulders with Abraham, Moses, the prophets? Joseph. Could I step into a New Testament hour in the fullness of the Spirit and actually be at the conference table of the divine God? Burning in the enterprise of your design. It's about you may be like I am. None of this was new. But oh, how I need to refocus. I have a tendency to leave the conference room and go for coffee. Would you like to slip out of your seat, kneel at an altar of prayer, and refocus? Would you like to say, oh God, show up in my dream again? Better than that, God, be my dream. Better than that, God, step on my face, pound on my forehead, pull me into your conference room. It's about, can you imagine anything worse in your life than doing all this religious stuff your entire existence and never... That would be Old Testament, folks. Are you living like an Old Testament person? Being a just person. But not burning with the enterprise of the heart of God. Because you are a koinonia in his nature. Moments of prayer, I want to kneel. At the proper time, our brother will come and lead us and dismiss us.